Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm just glad we've got a home to go to. Brother Darrell texted me this evening and said he was just so glad he was going to be able to come to church tonight. I texted him back. I said, I've been so lonesome for God and so lonesome for the church people, so lonesome for church. I'm glad I feel that way. I heard Brother Bram say it not long ago that at his tabernacle that there was a time whenever people would leave on Sunday night and they'd grab a hold of one another's hands and they'd just cry and said, honey, I'll see you Wednesday. Pray for me, pray for me. He said, preachers would ask him, how, how, do, you, how do you do that to where that they just love one another that way? I thought, wow. You know, if we have the right love in our hearts, that's the way we ought to feel. Because the real sons and daughters of God many times are closer than our own kin. Because it's a kin that's deeper than flesh and blood. Now, I know some of y'all don't believe that, but it's the truth. But we're so grateful to be able to be here tonight, aren't we? Amen. What a privilege. Let's turn, if you would, to the book of Nehemiah chapter 8. We'll read um, verse 1. <clears throat> it's even good to see Brother Louie tonight. <laughs> each of you. Nehemiah chapter 8, we'll read verse 1 to 3. Listen what a time this must have been. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding. Now listen how that Nehemiah writes this. It was men and women and all that could hear with understanding. Upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate. From the morning until midday. Before the men and the women and those that could understand. And all the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Now remember, the law only condemned you. That's what the law done. It condemned. It wasn't like the New Testament that had so much grace and so much mercy and so many promises of goodness and blessings, but it was thou shalt not and thou shalt not. And if you do this, I'll do that. And he read this for six hours. And the people were so attentive that they were just caught up. What is this? A true revival. It's a revival of the book. How many needs prayer tonight? 
Before we go before the Lord in prayer, I'd like to ask you to remember Eric, if you would. She started her first treatment a couple of weeks ago, and uh, she did well for a couple of days, and then uh, taken two pills of the morning, two of the afternoon, take it for two weeks. On the 10th day, start a third pill, different kind of pill, but it started more and more side effects. She's been off of it for two weeks. Um, went to the doctor today, and her blood is all messed up, all of her counts and this and that. Um, so they're going to have to reduce the dosage, looks like, of it. But we believe that God will move and help her, right? We believe together as the people of God. And uh, I know that you're anxious. I've been getting texts and emails from different ones from around the world, actually curious about her situation. So if you'll just help us to, to remember that before the Lord, she's supposed to start again on uh, the treatment on Monday, but the doctor told her today if she wasn't feeling better, she left her really, really weak, um, sores in her mouth, can't hardly eat. Um, so if you'd help us pray about that. We believe the Lord will move by his mercy. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your grace and your mercy. Oh, how good it is to be in church tonight, Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm convinced Satan absolutely hates for us to have church. He'll do everything that he can to try to stop us from having church. And Lord, I thank you for your mercy to us. Last Wednesday night, we couldn't have church because of the gas leaks. Lord, they found one, then they found two, then they found three, then they found five, and they wound up finding seven gas leaks. It's a wonder we wouldn't blow plumb into the, to the kingdom of God. But it was your grace and your mercy to us. And we're thankful for it, Lord. So we're just praying that another kind of fire will come in this place tonight, Lord. Not gas-powered, not coal-powered, but Holy Ghost power. That'll come and minister to us, Father, from your word. We have so many needs. And Brother Louie bringing them back there to me, Lord, before I come out. Just a handful of request, And there's so many needs. I'm hearing from people all over the world every day. So many things, Father, that your people are facing. But Lord God, we look at these things as opportunities by which you can express yourself in the realm of supernatural. So we're asking you to do so. Would you be mindful of all, all of our needs? And would you help me to get out of the way tonight, Father, and speak to us your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. And the saints said... God bless you. You may be seated. It's been over 70 years since they've been having church. I know some of our brothers and sisters in Canada, some in Europe, some in Asia, have not been able to have church for 15 months, some of them two years. But with the case of the children of Israel, for them, without a temple, you couldn't have church. When they got down to Babylon, their captors said to them, why don't you sing us some of the songs of Zion? 
We hear you all are very gifted people. You have great musicians, great songwriters. We've heard of the Psalms that David sang. So why don't you sing us some of the songs that you all sing over there? But their sad reply was one full of remorse, heaviness, not jubilant at all. And they said, how can we sing the songs of the Lord in a strange land? And they said, we hang our harps because we had no joy. There was nothing to bring the astounding joy to their hearts to make them want to sing. They were so sad, so depressed, so despondent. But now the wheels of prophecy had turned around in the positive cycle. And they by now had been in the land for several years. Under the administration of Ezra first, 14 years preceding Nehemiah. And then Nehemiah comes as the governor of Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. And I just saw a video this week where that they were digging in the archaeological ruins of what is called the city of David. Now, I stood there a couple of years ago and standing up on the Mount of Olives, if you're standing this way and you look straight ahead, here's the Dome of the Rock and the right down here off of the Dome of the Rock just a little bit, you can see what is called the city of David. Now, when the Muslims had the walls rebuilt many, many hundreds of years ago, they left this city of David outside of that. Because of that, it cost these two main guys their life. They're buried inside. But you can still see it, and they just recently found some of the walls that Nehemiah rebuilt. And they were carbon 14 dating them and dating them back and seeing the different structural lines and seeing how that they were laid different. So there it's still a living testimony. But now the people have got together and as we've looked at it, they rebuilt the walls and the gates and all of them come together. Now it's time for a different administration. Nehemiah was a great governor but he's not a preacher. He's not a Levite. He's not called to handle the word. Now, unlike some people that feel like because they are gifted in business or gifted in government, and then they try to move in and handle the word. This is why Brother Branham warned businessmen to leave the word alone and leave it to God call men. So Nehemiah was the right kind of leader in that he saw that he was gifted in the way of government. He was gifted in the way of orchestration to make this all work. But when it come to handling the word, he realized he was not the man to do it. 
Now scholars differ as far as where Ezra actually was during this time frame of rebuilding the wall. Some look back to a couple of the historians and say that Ezra was actually combat to Shushan in the palace and was kept there up to about a month prior to this, 445 BC. Others say that Ezra was there, but yet the light of God was not shining on his life, so the Bible doesn't say, so apparently it doesn't have much relevance to us. But Nehemiah took care of the government, but he realized that they needed a spiritual leader that would focus on the godly part of the children of Israel. Now remember in this time frame, uh, between 40 and 50,000 people have gathered in Jerusalem. So when Ezra got up to read and they built a pulpit, the congregation is between 40 and 50,000. And they are standing there all through the streets of Jerusalem. Now remember that the wall itself was six foot thick. Now they found remnants, as I said, of this wall even just a week or so ago. And there was quite a large boundary and they had uh, the gates. If you notice where they were at was the water gate. Well, that's a good place for the word to flow out of. So Nehemiah's task was more of a secular point of view. And we need people like this. But he realized that he was limited when he come to the spiritual part. Now, I myself, I have an admiration for a man like this because you think what is wrong with a businessman or a secular type of leader just getting up before the people and, and just reading it. But somehow, this man did not feel qualified. Now, I wonder why that would be. Well, we'll find as we go on down further in these verses that there was more to what was going to happen than just someone standing up and reading verbatim what Moses had said. Because there had been quite a time frame, a span of time that had happened from the time that Moses had wrote it to where they are now in 445 BC. So some of the people, their language has changed. Some of them speak half Hebrew, half Ashdodite. Some of them are speaking the language of the Babylonians. Some are now speaking the language of the Persians. So they've got to help the people understand. Now, unlike the way a lot of people look at the Bible, I don't believe that we ought to worship the Bible as far as the book itself and make it an idol. Now, that may seem strange to you, but there are some people who actually make an idol out of the Bible but they really do not put much emphasis on what it says. But they just make such an idol out of the book itself. Now I'm gonna bring it on down one step further. There are message people that do the same thing to the message. They make an idol out of the tapes, just the two words, the tapes. They make an idol out of it. They make an idol out of the message. But when it comes to really understanding and getting into the message to understand what it says and what it means, well, they, they seem not much relevance in it, but yet they nearly worship the message and the messenger. 
They make a God out of him. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and preach with or without you. But you see, God knows that there must be a proper understanding in order for the Bible to have power and influence over the people. Now look at the time frame here in verse two. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and of women, all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. Now this falls in their seventh month is like the end of our October and merging over into our November. Now that's when their seventh month was. And this is when, of course, this is Israel's most holiest month of the whole year. Because the Feast of the Trumpets is in the seventh month. The Feast of Tabernacles is in the seventh month. And also the Feast of Atonement. So there could have been no better time. You believe God has an appropriate time. So the building of the walls, which was a miracle within itself, in the 52 days by which they started until the time they ended and God had had it actually in the time frame of the time clock to where that the reconstruction of it all ended exactly where it would be allocated on the beginning of the seventh church age. I, I, I mean the seventh month. So you see, in this time frame, there came such a hunger on the hearts of the people. Now, what you notice the way this worked, that it was not Ezra going around and said, hey, we need the word. We need to get in the word. Hey, pass the word to everybody. Pass the word to everybody. We need to get in the word. We all need to get together and read the word. But if you'll notice, it was the people themselves. When the people begin to hunger for the word, then the people begin to ask a godly leader, would you care to preach the word to us? Would you care to read the word? Now friend, this is the way really godly revival comes. It's not by a preacher packing it in his briefcase. It's not by us getting a note from headquarters somewhere. It's not even just by one individual per se, well, you know what, I think our church needs a revival. I make up my mind, we're gonna have it. It won't happen that way. It may happen for you, but it must be something that moves in among the people themselves. I think we need a stirring in our church. I think we need a stirring in our hearts. I think we need a stirring in our message around the world. We've all come through some pretty hard times in the last year and a half. Is that right? But yet, oh, you say, Brother Donnie, why don't you bring a revival? If I could, I would have already brought it. If I knew of any preacher in the message that could bring us a revival, I'd done had him here. But I've got enough sense to know it don't work that way. Well, what if we go on a fast? It's no work that way. It's whenever the Spirit of God moves and we go to hungering and we go to seeing a need and we go to reaching out to God. Oh, but oh, if it'll be you, Brother Donnie, you get all stirred up and it'll affect all the rest of us. No, it won't. It'll affect me and my walk with God and a few of you might get roused up a little bit, but you'll cool off just as quick as you got fired up unless it's something that raises within you and you begin to see, Lord God, I'm so hungering for you. I'm so thirsting for you, Lord. I want more. I need more of you. Is that right? Now you see, when the people begin to feel this way, notice, and he read therein 
before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. So the daylight would have been approximately around six o'clock and he would have read then up to noon. So six hours long, they were actually hearing the word read. Now, you know, whenever God sends a revival among his people, it's always come the same way, whether it was the Old Testament or the New. And that was whenever the people had a great desire and there was a restoration that came back to the word. Now we look whenever God in the different dispensations before the judges, how that God used them during the cycle of the judges, God would use one man or a couple of women as it were, and they would have a revival, a stirring among the people. It would last for a few years after that judge died, then the people would kind of get back cool off again, go back to where they were, God would raise up another judge, same cycle, and then God started moving down through the church ages in the Old Testament. Then we come down to the New Testament exactly the same way. God moved in the Old Testament, of course, into the dispensation of kings and the cycle of kings. I'd love to take it sometime if the Lord would ever let us, but whenever you look at those cycle of kings, that some of them, they would give their heart to God early on, like Josiah at the age of eight, and that they would give their heart to God and they would set their whole kingdom toward a godly kingdom. And then there would be a man following him, he despised the way of God, and yet being a king of Judah or a king of Israel, and it was the same cycle over and over again. But when would Israel have revival? When there would be a move among them, and yet God would use a leader. Let's read about the day of Josiah, 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 2, and the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priest and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. Now notice who's gathering. It's not just the rich folks. It's not just the poor folks, but it's priests and prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and all their soul. Now notice here is a godly king. He is a great leader and he has an influence upon the people. He cannot make the people do right, but he can with his legislative ability set right and order in the kingdom. I can preach holiness. I can preach clean living. I can preach all kinds of things. I do not have the power to make one person in our church live right or do right. Notice, to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart. Now, not just him, but all their heart and their soul. To perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And that were, notice, written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. Now this was a proclamation or an affirmation on the part of the people that whenever the book was read and then when it was completed, then the people all stood up. So here they stand up and by standing up, they are saying, I agree to what I have heard read. And I agree that I 
am going to do that. Now notice it takes more than just the king himself. And you see, no revival can ever really start. It can never be really genuine if it's just a workup of the music and we all find a new song that we like and it makes us cry you know, or it makes us jump or shout or whatever it is. If it's just an emotional stir inside of our heart, it won't last. But a revival will generally start with some sort of repentance. It will be, Lord, we repent because we've not been sincere enough. Lord, we repent because we've got slack or we've got loose. Oh, Lord, we've not been as on fire as we should be. Well, the people began to realize this themselves, and in order for it to be something that will be lasting, it takes something more than just an exterior manifestation, but it must be something within a heart before reformation can really be true and be accepted by God. Notice this in verse 21, and the king commanded all the people saying, keep the Passover unto the Lord your God. Now you realize when one evil king would go in, that the Passover would go out, the Paschal lamb would go out, they would stop feast of Passover, feast of trumpets, the day of Yom Kippur, they would stop all of these things, they have no more church, and yet the house of God was sitting right there in Jerusalem. But they fell in love with other things, and they started doing all kinds of other things, and that was the great house of God, standing right there. Some of them didn't even visit the house of God, the place where God chose to put his name. But they would go over here to this God, and that God, and that goddess, and that goddess, and they would offer incense and some bunch of nonsense like that, and they would walk right by the house of God. Oh, you say that's horrible. It's no different than what people do today. They walk right by the house of God, but they're more concerned about fun. They're more concerned about leisure things. They're more concerned about having a good time. Well, I think we can have a good time in church. Well, praise the Lord. Good times just ain't always associated with ball and Dollywood, and, and we're going up here and we're going up there for a good time. The best time of your life ought to be in the house of God. Now, notice what is this sparking? It is bringing an Old Testament revival. That's amazing because what you realize is that here are these people that have been here for years and years. Some of them are second generation and third generation people and the law of God was actually in the house of God. Now this is before the destruction of the temple and the law was in the house of God and one day a guy got in there just pilfering around a little bit and he found the law of God. And he stumbled over the book. Can you imagine the law of God that was given directly to Moses? But the people didn't really even care about it anymore. They didn't read it. It wasn't a common thing. You know, they're just so busy with other things in life. And it didn't really mean nothing to them. So here this man found the law of God. He found the book that had been written. No telling how old that it was. It had been there the whole time. It had been there all along, and how many days did they walk past that temple and there was the law of God? It meant absolutely nothing to them, but it took God stirring the heart of a leader. And that leader felt the pulsation of God in his heart that there must be a restoration of the people's hearts back to the word. Now, notice this in verse 24. Moreover, the workers with familiar spirits and the wizards, and the images, and the idols. Look, friend, we are not talking about Philistines. We are not talking about Amorites, Hittites, Jebusites. We 
are talking about the children of Israel. They had people among them that were witches and wizards. And they were worshiping idols. They worshiped snakes. They worshiped all kinds of things. Children of Israel. Oh my. And the images and the idols and all the abominations that were spied in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem did Josiah put away that he might perform. Now this is one thing I love about this type of a man. That he doesn't just want to hear it and say amen with his mouth. He wants to vote with his feet. Now you see, you and I don't just vote. Oh, I believe it, glory to God. I believe every word, hallelujah. That's just your mouth saying that. But if you really believe it, you'll vote with your feet. Your feet will take you into the steps of righteousness and your hands will perform the duties of righteousness and it will be more than you saying amen with your mouth, but your life will amen the word by obedience. Oh yes, amening the word is a very important thing. We'll find out here. And this is where we get much of this from the Old Testament. But notice he said that he might perform the words of the law which were written in the book. The Hilkiah, the priest, found in the house of the Lord. You mean the word had been there, but they were so far apart from the word it was like he just found it and said, oh, what's this? Oh my, let's dust the dust off of it. Wow, what is it? Oh wow, it's God's word. Isn't that something? Where in the world did that come from? Oh, what a good place to find the word in the house of the Lord. Now, you and I, we think, well, my goodness, what, what kind of a deal would it have been? Apparently, it must have been a pretty big deal that it would make the author of the book of Kings to write this, that he said, Hilkiah the priest. Now, I wonder what kind of preacher he was. What was he telling the people? What was he doing? What was he bringing? Was it from what my daddy said and my grandpa said and uncle so-and-so said so-and-so and my great cousin said this and that and the, you mean to tell me the preachers didn't even have the word? Praise the Lord. So one day this preacher's in there just doing whatever preachers of that day did and he just said, well, what's that? I've never seen that before. What in the world is that? And he goes over and picks up and said, Wow, that's the word. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to be reading. That's what you're supposed to be preaching. But here this man is surprised because he found the Bible in the church. Well, they're used to Starbucks and hot dogs and marshmallow roasts and all kinds of things like that. Not as long as I'm pastor, friends. I'm not against our young people getting together. I'm not against us getting together, eating a meal and all that. But church is not about roasting marshmallows. Church is not about s'mores. It's about more of God. It ain't about s'mores. Come on now. It ain't about everybody bringing in a special kind of Starbucks coffee. Brother Donnie, we're going to have a coffee booth in the new church. Not as long as I'm in charge, we ain't. We're going to hand out hot dogs and hamburgers? No, we ain't. I don't say we won't have some barbecue going on, but I plan on it being your hide and mine. It ain't going to be no weenie. It ain't going to be oh, no hamburger. It's going to be us. 
getting closer to the presence of God and getting ready to leave this hell that we're in. I don't know about you, oh friend, it's getting worse every day we live here. It's not a fit place to live. Now notice this reference in 2 Kings 22.8. This is the reference of this man finding the word. And Hilkiah, the high priest, said unto Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Listen to this exclamation by the Paul. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I found the word. What were they doing? Can you imagine how their worship was? Can you imagine whatever it was they were doing and it was just by tradition? Well, I think this is why, I believe this is the way we're supposed to do it. And they are shocked when they find the word. And Hilkai gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. Wow. That'd be a good thing for some of our preachers doing this day, wouldn't it? Get their Bibles back out and drag it off and wipe the dust off of it. Maybe start in Genesis 1. They might find out the correct way to baptize. Well, praise the Lord. Now notice again here in 2 Kings 23, 25, talking about Josiah. And like unto him there was no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to the law of Moses neither after him arose there any oh my like Lord children wouldn't that be something awesome for God to say about every one of us that we gave him our heart our soul our mind well I, I, I gave God my heart but now I save my strength for soccer I save my strength from when my grandchild gets out there and hits that ball boy I, I'm as quiet as a mouse in church but you ought to see me on the baseball diamond. I say shame on you. If you're as quiet as a mouse in church and you scream and squall over your youngin' or grand youngin' doing something and you don't make a peep in the house of God, you need to reread your Bible and find out that when the word was read here in the book of Nehemiah that the saints of God stood up and they said, hey man, hey man. And they actually even waved their hands in the Old Testament. It was signifying they believed, hallelujah, what they had heard that day. I think we need some folks again that'll start doing that way back in Happy Valley instead of sitting there looking at me and smiling or trying to figure out what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to say amen and you're supposed to raise your hands every now and then and say praise God and every now and then it won't even hurt you to stand up and say I signify by standing to my feet. I believe what the man of God is saying. I believe what's in the book. I want to apply it. I want to live it. I want to perform it. Preach it, man of God. Preach it. Tell me. Bring me the book. You see, the triple enumeration of the way the author penned this about Josiah reflects the whole view of man in the Old Testament. All of his energies, all of his understanding. Now remember, he had a kingdom to run. He's a king. 
He's got taxes to take care of. He's got the Department of Defense. He's got the Department of National Security. He's got the Department of Vaccinations. And he's got the Department of Masks and Unmasks and Mandates and all this sort of thing to run. But this man realized you ain't going to run a kingdom right if you don't run it on the basis of the Word of God. That's why our nation is turned into hell today. Because she left the founding principles that our father set here years and years ago. They left England to come here for freedom of religion upon the basis of the Bible. Well, praise the Lord. And little by little, we're having those things taken away from us. No, I do not believe that vaccines are the mark of the beast. I do not believe the mandates are the mark of the beast, but I do believe they are forerunning the mark of the beast because the mandates all around the world, the governments of the world have took advantage of this time frame that we're in and they're gonna, if you ain't got this, you can't fly and if you ain't got that, you can't go to a restaurant. It's forerunning the mark of the beast. Well, come on, children. Notice again in the awakening of under Hezekiah, 2 Kings 18.1. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he was and began to reign. And he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. He removed the high places, high places, high places in Israel? High places where they sacrificed some of their children? In Israel? Burn incense to Astaroth and Chemosh? We're not talking about Balaam. We're not talking about in the land of Moab. But in the church of the living God, Jerusalem. Don't you see how this was foreshadowing the coming of the Gentile church ages of what the denominations would do? Now, I don't want to make you mad, but I'm telling you, friends, people around this message that aren't bright will do this same thing. They can't keep from it. Without the Holy Ghost, there's only one thing that'll keep you from idolatry, and that's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, we will never worship a goat. We will never worship a serpent, of course, on a pole. We'll never worship any of that sort of thing, but you'll worship your job. You'll worship your car. You'll worship whatever more. Come on, don't get quiet, homie. You'll worship some football star, some movie star, or this or that or the other. Anything you put between you and God is your God. Oh, my. He removed the high places. And break the images. Images? You gotta be kidding me. Images in Jerusalem and Judea? And cut down the groves, which is trees that they would plant, and there they worship gods and goddesses. And break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. What? You mean a king is destroying something a prophet of God made? Now remember this image 
was 900 years old, this brass serpent. By the time Hezekiah was king, it was 900 years old. We don't have any recorded history where they'd worshiped it before, but they slid into this age of idolatry. God did a supernatural work with that image that whoever looked on that brass serpent, if a snake bit them and they looked on it, they were healed. And what did they do? They turned right around and used the instrument that God used to heal them and they started worshiping the instrument instead of the God who gave the instrument. Oh, may I say to you tonight, that danger, that danger, my friends, is all around us of making a pastor an idol or making the prophet an idol. Come on, don't get quiet on me. The very thing that God used to bring our deliverance, if we're not careful, we'll go right off and make an idol out of that same thing. God said, I will have no other gods before me. Oh, Notice this, for unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he, actually the Hebrew translation there is they, they called it Nekushton, 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 and it means the brass thing. The brass thing. Now they didn't want to call it the serpent, so they renamed it. But they were bringing up incense and offering this incense before this snake on the pole. Remember, it was a God-ordained way. It was a God-given gift that performed miracles and supernatural when their faith looked at it and they were healed and delivered. Now here we've got a generation of those people that are bringing incense. This serpent couldn't talk. This serpent couldn't heal. This serpent, notice we have no record that no one was ever healed after that one dispensation of time from that time on it was only a memorial of what it used to be but they worshipped it dear God you know they they wasn't going to call it the brass serpent the way we do today but I'm going to call it what it was they wanted to call it Nekushton, the thing of brass. There was already serpent worship around them. Now spending years in Egypt, and then now these years of being around some of the Philistines and so on around them. Serpent worship, as revolting as it may seem to us, yet the children of Israel had got involved into it, and it had merged into this form of idolatry. Let me read you a little bit of history on it. The Egyptians and Phoenicians adored idol gods in the form of serpents as the emblems of health and immortality. The image of a serpent became the deified symbol of something good and beneficial. The Serates, C-E-R-A-S-T-E-S, which was a horned snake, 
was sacred to Ammon, an Egyptian deity. And the Phoenicians too consider the serpent a good demon. Well, I'd like to know how in the world there can be, it's like saying you're going to get a good root canal. How can there be a good demon? It sounds like some of the crazy nuts we've gotten that day we're living in. Oh my. So they considered it a good demon and so did the Romans among the sign of a scapulus, which was a Roman god in the form of a serpent. So here, now they have Rome and they have the Babylonians, they have the Phoenicians, they have the Ammonites, and now you've got the very same thing inside the house of God, among the people of God. Oh, but they're not worshiping Scapulus. They're not worshiping the Phoenician God. But theirs come from the stigma of the prophet's message. This prophet was given the word of the Lord. You believe that, right? Moses was not making an idol. Moses, it might not have even made any sense to them. They may have questioned in their mind, why in the world is he even doing this? Whenever we know that they was out of the land of Egypt that they made these idols, why is he doing it? He might not have understood it himself, but God told him to do it. Can you imagine you make that and you put it out there on a pole and then you tell your people, all right, everybody that gets bit by a snake, all you gotta do is walk over there and look at that snake and believe and you'll be healed. You say, Lord have mercy. I want a scripture for that, Moses. I want scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Well, I'm sorry, friend, you'd have died because he didn't have no scripture. He had the word of the Lord because the word of the Lord comes to the prophet. Now, it was fine. It was wonderful. And no doubt thousands of the people of God were healed and delivered. Why didn't God say, just believe in your heart? Just believe in your heart. God was doing a prophetic symbol by Moses showing one day Christ would hang upon a cross. He would not only become, oh my, a sheep. He would become a serpent on a pole. So what did Satan do? Satan run right ahead of the cross and said, I'll make them worship it. In Jerusalem, in Judah, God help us. Oh my. Second Kings 18.5, speaking of Hezekiah, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. So after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. Why? He trusted in the Lord his God. Now to us, that's very simple. But to the Hebrews placing it out that he was his El Gabor. He was his protector. This is what he looked to. He didn't look to Egypt. He did not look to the Ammonites, but he looked to the Lord as his provider, which there was an anointing among the heir of the kings to where they had to look to this idol and that idol and something else beyond the realm of the supernatural. And this is where they found their faith. Oh my. After him was none, the Bible said. Now it does not contradict what we read about Josiah because actually Josiah was after Hezekiah. But if you notice the way that it phrases it, he served God in one avenue and 
And here Josiah serves the same living God, but with a different way. Notice he claimed to the Lord and departed not from following him, but he kept his commandments which the Lord God had commanded. Unlike Solomon, Joash, Jehoshaphat, Amaziah, and some of those who started out right, this man served God his entire life from the first to the last. Lord God, let that be said about me. Oh, hallelujah. So what happened? When these kings found the word, it brought a revival. Is it any marvel to us that in the last days there must be a restoration back to the word in order to bring the bride's revival? Now, that will not be one man over here and one man over there, but God sent a prophet to be able to what? Find the truth of the word. Now listen to me carefully so you don't misunderstand me. God never sent Brother Branham to make tapes and to print books in order that we would fold up our Bibles, lay them up on the shelf, and never read them again. Now somebody's gonna get mad at me whether here or, or on, on, on the internet I hear streaming, but there's many people that are taking Brother Branham's message and they are taking the people's hearts away from the apostolic foundation that Brother Branham came to restore them to. And what are they using to do it? Quotes, quotes from the message that they're applying in such a way that the quotes are not wrong, but it's the application. Well, come on, don't get quiet on me. You and I can put the quotes together and make them say all kinds of things just like people do the Bible, but it must follow continuity from Genesis to Revelation. You've heard me tell you before, and I'll probably tell it many times again. Brother Charlie Cox told me when Brother Branham was there at his house, and Brother Branham, they had one of Brother Branham's books, and Brother Charlie just picked it up and laid it up on top of the, his Bible. And Brother Branham went over there, he saw it. Brother Branham went over there and took the Bible and laid it on top of his book and said, Brother Charlie, don't never put anything ahead of the word of God. Now, you see, oh, Brother Donnie, don't you believe the prophet's word? Absolutely, I do. But if that's what the prophet did, that shows to you and I that he had a respect for that Bible. And if we lose it, we've lost the spirit of this message. Why? When you place this message where it's supposed to be, it goes hand in hand with the Bible. Come on now, friends. We do not have to leave the Bible to prove the doctrines of this message. And if you've got to leave the Bible to prove it, you better check your doctrine. Oh, hallelujah. What happened in Britain, in Ireland, and in Wales in the 18th century when a revival started moving among them? What was it? A hunger in the hearts of the people and a calling back to the word of God. Oh, I'm reminded several years ago of a brother from Africa who came here and he wanted to meet with me and talk with me. They had never had a seal book in their language. They didn't have Christ the mystery, the church age book. Many, many of these tremendous messages they never had. And he told me, he said, Brother Donnie, we wonder why God does not love us as much as he loves you Americans. You Americans have so many of the books in your language. And he said, we wonder why. And he said, would you please help us 
to get a seal book. I said, well, brother, I'll pray about it. I'll, I'll think about it, take it before the Lord. He said, I'm begging you. Took me by my hands, got down on his knees, and said, I'm begging you, please consider us. Well, I went different ways about doing it and how we could go about, be better to print them here, ship them there. This, I finally, I found a, a brother in the message in Nairobi, Kenya, that had a printing press, and we come to an agreement on the price, which was $10 per book. $10 per book. We printed thousands times thousands, times thousands. In a few months after they started getting them, I started hearing reports, hallelujah, from Kenya, from Tanzania, from different African countries. And you know what was happening? Revival. Revival. Because them getting, oh my, then after of course we done the seal book, we did Christ the mystery, and we done this one and that one, the other one. Because I believe, I know I'm weird, strange, all that sort of thing, but I believe that the ministry there would have a better idea of what books they need than I would over here. Well, come on, I don't write no denomination, so I don't stand there here and say, you do this, and you go there, and you do this, and you do that, and if you do it, I'll help you, and if you don't come under my wing, I'll flog you. And if you don't do this, that, and the other, that's a denominational bastard. That is a denominational spirit that I'll tell you one thing, friend, I'm gonna fight it till I take my last breath on this earth, and it's right in this message. We're gonna control this, and we're gonna control that. You ain't gonna control the church of the living God. God will have his bride. He will have her fed. He will have her glory to God. Whatever he's got to do, he's going to have this word in her hands. What was it? I did not go there and preach in them places. Brother Dow didn't go there and bring revival. What was it? The hearts of the people began to hear the word. And when they got the word, their pastors got the word. And they got in the seal book, Christ the mystery of God revealed. One after another, after another, and a revival broke out among them, and the people started hungering and hungering. Give me more, give me more, tell me more, tell me more, tell me what I can do. But we Americans, we have it on our phone, we have it on our iPads, and how many do you listen to? I know it's been since some of you even listened to a tape. Oh, you listen to this podcast of this guy and this podcast of that guy and you listen to this doctor and you listen to this politician. You know more about Fox News than you know about the book of Genesis. Well, if Fox News will put you in the rapture, then I go, I say, go ahead and feed on it day and night, 24-7. But I remember the prophet of God saying the bride will take the rapture, not with Fox News, but with the word. Well, is that your opinion? No, I beg your pardon. It's not my opinion. I've got to quote them and read to you. Some earlier church age. Now, listen to this. Men, women, boys, girls. No believer is any stronger and spiritually healthy and alive than his knowledge. His knowledge of and adherence to the pure 
word of God. But yet many of the little ladies said, well, I'm not a preacher. I don't need to study. Oh, you can't prove that with this quote. I'm sorry. Well, glory to God. Well, friends, I, I, I can help some of y'all be able to conserve some of your time. You've got an account on Instagram. You got one on TikTok and then TalkTik. And then you got one on YouTube and you got one here and you got one there. Time you get done checking all your media platforms, you barely got time to even speak to the Lord during the day. Why don't you clean up some of that stuff and spend a little bit more time praying, a little bit more time listening to tapes and reading the Bible. You're gonna not, you're not gonna be healthy by being on TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. You're not gonna be healthy by how much time you spend on Facebook. Your health is determined by how much time you spend in the Word. And if you don't, guess what? You're sick. Sir, are you sure that I'm supposed to preach this tonight? Because from the looks on some of their faces, they think I'm wrong about this. So me and you might, might, might need to talk about this. Wow. No true believer is any stronger and spiritually healthy and alive than his knowledge of and adherence to the pure word of God as seen by multitudes of examples in the Old Testament. Now, let's go back to Nehemiah chapter eight, verse four. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood. First time the word pulpit is found in the Bible. Which they made for the purpose and beside him. Now, pardon me, you know I'm not a linguistic type of person. So I'm gonna jump over a bunch of these names. Now, some of you smart people might be able to pronounce them. I kind of doubt it, but anyway. Notice, though, so here are these guys standing all around him, the Aya boys. And on his left hand was one guy, and on the other side was another Aya, and a shum, and an ale, and a has banana, um, and so on. Notice now in verse five, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it. All the people stood up between 40 and 50,000. And he didn't even have to prime them. Y'all ready now? On three. One. One and eight. One and a quarter. But as soon as he opened the book, oh, 40 to 50,000 stood up. Who told him to? He did amazing. It was an impact. It was an impact that had so come across all of those thousands of people. They just were so moved by respect. You understand, this is one of the scriptures when we stand to read the text, this is where we get it from. When he opened it, all the people stood up and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people nodded. 
answered. Amen. Amen. With lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. This is the first time they've been able to have church like this in decades. Wow, what an awesome presence must have been there. And this is, I mean, the guy ain't even started yet. He just opened the book and said, wow, you think that's something? Wait till we go to read this thing. I mean, if you all have had revival, all I've done was just open it up, brother. Whenever you're searching, I'm telling you what, and the seals begin to break open around your life. Don't you understand the opening of the seals is not just a releasing of a bunch of mysteries that was hidden in God unless they are opened in you in a reality. It's nothing but it's just another book. Oh, it's a black book and it's got gold writing all level seals I've read through that. Well, if that's your attitude, you better read it again and again and again until it opens up inside of you. Oh my, the, the people's response. It must have been so charged with emotion, but it was not just work up. It was the beginning of a revival. Amen. And yet the Bible mentions something about the organ. The piano wasn't playing because they didn't have pianos. There was no guitar. What was the revival? What brought this? The opening of the book. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. They shouted, Amen. Amen. They fell on their knees and they worshiped. Notice this Jerome, one of the New Testament preachers and also a historian, a writer. Jerome tells us that it was the custom in his days. Now, this would have been the apostolic church. Whenever they closed every prayer with such a unanimous consent, that the amen rang and echoed in the church and it sounded like waterfalls or thunder. There you go, brother. There's the thunder I'm interested in. Oh my, can you imagine when they prayed and the people of God were so in harmony with the word and the ministry was in harmony with the word just by coming to the close of the prayer, it sounded like Niagara Falls. I mean, it was amen, amen, amen. All over everywhere, the sisters was even saying it. I realize that for a lot of us, we think it's wrong for sisters to say amen. And it makes me wonder how many of y'all listen to tapes. I've been listening to several in the last few weeks that the tabernacle and the microphone, of course, is pretty close to the congregation. And I just noticed how many women's voices that I heard that were saying amen, I thought. Wow, that seems so unusual for a message church. And this was the original message church. So I began to think, uh-oh, are we changing some things? Are we different than the original message church? Oh my goodness. Verse seven. Uh, some of these names I can say. Jeshua, Bani, and them other brothers. Now, I want you to notice what happens. Now, we'll close. And the Levites caused 
the people to understand the law. And the people stood between 40 now and 50,000 people. They stand in their place. Now we've got people that are speaking different languages. And you see, that book, as beautiful, as wonderful, as powerful as it was, it was not a magic book. In that just hearing it read, and abracadabra, it does something to you. But the Levites, preachers, was out among them. And Ezra would read, and then there's going out among them. Maybe some of them didn't understand the language of what he's even saying. So they'd speak Ashdod, or they'd speak this or that, the other. Well, what difference does it make? Well, just, just let the man say it. Let the man say it. Just hearing it read by itself is not enough. You see the Bible. It's God's word, is it not? But thank God for anointed gifts that can come among us, not to add to it, not to take away from it, not to add a personal, private interpretation, but to be able to bring it together to make it understandable. Then it releases its life-changing power when the recipients that are sitting there said, I see it. Praise God, I see it. Well, what you mean is, you understand it. Now, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings here tonight, and I'm not saying this in the wrong way to do so. But so many people have taken the story of Brother Billy Paul that he tells about hearing the message, Future Home. And afterwards, Brother Branham asking him, did you understand what Daddy said? Yes, yes. He looked at him again. Did you understand what Daddy said? He said, no. Then Brother Branham supposedly tells him, well, it's not important that you understand what daddy says, but you believe what daddy says. Then people will take that and use that as their example. Oh, but you see, we have other quotes. Mm. Can I have a few more minutes? Thank you. Now look, if they were able to go from six to 12, surely y'all can give me a few more minutes. Watch this and seize on there the shock. He that heareth my word, the word there is understandeth. Any drunkard, anything can hear it and walk away. But he that heareth my word understandeth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. Yes, sir. He that hath this great mystery of the God made known understands how that God was in Christ reconciling himself to the world how that he and the father were one how that the great mysteries of the fulfilling of God taking and bringing himself manifested in the age of human beings in the stream of human beings in the company of human beings. You see, this is why even people in our message, a lot of them are still Trinitarian or Tunis or oneness. That's why whenever you bring the humanity of the Lord Jesus and bring the deity, they sit there and look at you like you're from another planet. They're lacking understanding. Oh, my. 
notice in the eastern rising of the sun to do the same thing as the sun sets in the west, to make himself manifested in a bride church. The word made manifest, see, he that understandeth that is to know that's been revealed to him of him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment. So you pass by a prostitute. God said, let's send his own son to the world. You believe that? Yes, I believe it, I believe it. And go right back under a prostitution. She got eternal life? Watch him again, rising of the sun. Easter still rather. The Holy Spirit is here on earth looking out. I love this. Those individuals that God has ordained to life in this age. Glory. I was only a nine-year-old boy when this quote was said. It would be years and years and years before the Holy Spirit would search me out. But he found me. Some of you wasn't even born yet. But he found you. I'm so glad he found me. And as soon as he finds it, it does just like it did on Jesus Christ. Just like it did on Jesus Christ, the super son of God who redeemed us all. He come down and taken his abode into the human life. Now notice bringing the quickening power. Now the quickening power that come upon Jesus quickened him to manifest every promise of the word of that age. So does the Holy Spirit come upon us in this day. If it's not a mockery Holy Spirit, you're not the devil mocking the Holy Spirit. It's the real Holy Spirit. It'll manifest the promise of this hour. When it fell upon Luther, it manifested the promise of the hour. When it fell upon Wesley, it manifested the promise of the hour. When it falls in this day, it manifests the promise of this hour. When it fell on Moses, it manifested glory. The promise of that hour fell upon Noah. What's it to do to bring you and I to an understanding. He said, oh, I just believe every word he said. I believe every word he said. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've heard that for years and years. And I don't know why it's been my lot to show them people words that they didn't know he said and then their toenails go to curling up in their tennis shoes. I hate to be the bearer of bad news for some of you that made Brother Branham a God. He was a man. Amen. He was born a sinner like all the rest of us. He had to get saved. He had to get sanctified. Had to have the Holy Ghost. Had to be born again. Even after he got born again, the Spirit of God called him a liar. He had to repent. Well, come on, church. But I can follow that kind of a man. I said, I can follow that kind of a man. I'm, not, I'm too far in now, friends, to follow a prophet of the message people's imagination. I don't want to follow imaginary prophet. I want to follow a genuine. I want to follow one like Elijah that could be all upset. I want to fo follow one like Elisha that would have a temper and have to make it right with God. I want to follow one that can say, you all pray for me that I'll regain the love I lost in that complex. Mm. it's the Holy Spirit coming down to quicken make alive those people that God's foreordained to be in the rapture that's me that is if he is a true eagle he will understand 
the message of the hour and if he's a true eagle. Oh, my goodness. So it ain't enough. She says, I believe every word he said. I believe every word he said. Don't you see Satan will take some of these things and rock people to sleep in a Laodicean cradle and they'll be left right here when the rapture takes place because they think the magic key is saying, I believe every word he said, I believe every word he said. Oh, what about the Godhead, brother? What about, well, I don't know nothing about that, but what about the seven seven? What about uh, Revelation 8, 1? What about, I don't know nothing about that. I don't need to. I don't need to understand. I just believe it. You're a fool. You're so slow in your understanding. Did not Jesus say to them, oh, fools, and slow of heart to understand? You think you're going to go in because you say God sent a prophet. That same prophet said, if you're an eagle, you will understand. Dear Jesus, I can go to Timbuktu if y'all want me to for a month or two. (laughs) If he's a true eagle, he'll understand the message of the hour. Now that little eagle probably in the barnyard was eating all right, but it wasn't just exactly right. He was eating all right, but it wasn't just exactly right. He knew it wasn't exactly right, but when he heard the truth, he received the truth. In St. John 5, 24, rather, Jesus speaking this way, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. Just think now, simple that is, he that believeth. Now the correct way of saying that is he that understandeth. You go out here on the street and say there's prostitute. You believe? Sure. You believe he's the son of God? Certainly. Been baptized? Sure. Go down to the drunkard and say, you hear that? Hear the preacher say that? Yeah. You believe that? Yeah. But he that understandeth, watch him bring it on down. He that knoweth his place. Wow. Now Brother Brown doesn't say, he that knows my place, that recognizes me, I'm the prophet, I'm the great one, I'm the mighty one, all the rest of y'all just shut up, you follow me, don't say nothing, you don't need to understand nothing, just say amen, just say I believe it with all my heart. Here's the bride, friends. He that understandeth, he that knoweth his place, in this hour. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath present tense eternal life, shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. Then when this new eternal life dwells in you, it is the potential or the earnestness of you being quickened from mortality to immortality. Let me say that again. When this spirit has found you, the individual, and has come upon you, it is the potential of your eternal inheritance that God thought of you and made for you before the foundation of the world. There is your potential. Let's stand Let's read one more scripture. Nehemiah 8.8. 8. So they read 
in the book, in the law of God, distinctly. And gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Look at the word distinctly. To make distinct, declare, distinguish, separate, clarify. And sense is insight and understanding. So the law is then by these ministers out there. They're taking, they're not adding to what Moses said. Taking away from what Moses said. But they're making it where the people can understand it. The people said, I see it. Praise God, I see it. Thank you, Lord. I've wondered about that scripture my whole life. Praise God. And God takes some dummy up there behind the pulpit and he just says it in such a way. I said, oh, why didn't I see that? Amen. <laughs> what do they do? Not add to it. Not take away. Can't you see why Satan hates preachers in this message? Praise God. How many loves him with all your heart? Amen. Now let me give it to you this way and I'll close. So let's say the only Bible you had was John Wycliffe's version. Spoken in the English language of that time frame, which goes back to the year 13. 82. And you would try to pick that up and read it. And you say, what does it mean? I, I don't understand. And you'd read it and you'd try to. Now, for those of you that have the Diglot or the Strong's Concordance and you try to read the, the Greek Diglot text. And you got the Greek here, and then you've got an English word right down from it. So it takes a Greek word, Greek word, Greek word, Greek word, and then it has an English word, English word, English word. And you try to read it. You think, what does it mean? I don't understand it. So what did King James do? He had it put in what we know, the KJV, King James Version. And the translators took it from the Greek and went back to Tyndall. And then Luther done exactly the same thing in his Reformation. What caused that reformation? They did not just bring Martin Luther's doctrine. They started handing out Bibles. And who hated them Bibles? The Catholic Church. That same spirit of Catholicism was around this message too. That's why they try to convince you you don't need your Bible. That's a devil lying to you. Brother Bram never come to take your Bible away. It's a cunning devil under the auspices of the title of believing this message. Don't you fall for it. It's a lie. God would never have this Bible. Men and saints of God and women have died to bring us this Bible. It will never be replaced. Never be replaced. Thank God for it. We didn't need a William Branham version of the Bible, but we needed a prophet to take it and tie Matthew 28, 19 with Acts 2, 38. Now I can baptize anybody in this water up here and read Matthew 28, 19 and Acts 2, 38, Acts 8, 16, all them other places in the New Testament. I can read all of those together and baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and say I fulfill Matthew 28 to the letter. How can I do that? Just by comparing scripture to scripture, understanding of scripture to scripture. Praise the Lord. How many says we need more? We need more. 
Will you be honest tonight, Lord? Forgive me. I spend too much time on too much other frivial, foolish stuff. I need more time, Lord, in the spiritual things. Praise God. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. We could have church tonight. Heavenly Father, I pray you would help us, Lord. Help us to see why we needed a prophet sent from God. He was not sent to make another denomination, though the denominational spirits have got around it. And even some of the men that were with him branched off and caused their own little denominational following. But the true bride is not interested in any of that. Your prophet came to point us back to the original word. When he was carried beyond the curtain of time, he said, I preach the same thing Paul preached. And those millions of voices screamed out, we are resting on that. Lord Jesus, may you search our hearts. May each of us look at our lives, Lord. May we find your word taken second place, third place. Oh, help us, Father. We can have the Bible on our phone. We can have the table on our phone. We can listen to sermons on our phone. But how many of us even do it? But we'd rather watch football, baseball, basketball, cooking shows, all kinds of stuff. Lord, help us. May it not be said about us one day that we found a Bible app on our phone and we decided we'd read it. Or we found a message app on our phone. Lord God, may we use it. May we realize as we feed on it, we're becoming that word. We love you, Lord Jesus. Lord, may the people have such a craving, such a desire for your word. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, may I, every minister here, every deacon, every trustee, Lord, not only those visible, but those that'll be streaming this, those in Pakistan, those in India, those in France, in Germany, Switzerland, where they are around the world, may the Spirit of God strike their hearts. Lord God, may we be like these people. Oh, Father, that we will have such a revival of the word. Lord God, that we'll fall in love with you all over again. For the bride's revival is not following this man or that man. That's only been the false moves. That's only been scarecrows to scare us away. But the bride's revival is her falling in love with Jesus so much that nothing is in her way. That's our revival. We'll not go empty out the hospitals and we'll not have great campaigns and thousands times thousands will come to Christ. The bride's revival is the capstone. The love of God sealing off our lives, keeping us as we walk through hell every day. Jesus, we love you, Lord. Stir our hearts tonight, Lord God. Every man and woman here that's been married very long know Sometimes they can get so busy with their kids, so busy with trying to make a living and so busy doing this and that and the other that sometimes the man and wife just need to take a day or two and just get away. Oh, it ain't that they don't love their kids. It ain't that they don't love their home and love their job and this and that, but they just need some time with him and her. Or they just walk around, they go here, they go there. They just spend some time together to reunite, to rekindle their love. 
Oh, Lord, help us to see that's the way it is with us and you. It's not you that ever gets cold. It's not you that gets slack. It's always us. Our old stinking flesh, our old humanity. Help us, Jesus. Help us to realize in this age we're living, we can still have getaways with our husband. May we be your Hepzibah. May we be your Beulah. May we be your beloved. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. May your word, Hepzibah, be written in our hearts. May we not be like the two sisters of the Old Testament that the names was written on the sticks, but may we be Hepzibah. May we be called the land of Beulah that is married. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. Would anybody in here with me care to raise your hands and say, Lord, come down my way tonight, would you? Come by my way, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hope you understand it, friend, that a preacher can get so caught up in praying for the stick and studying for the people and living for the people and doing so much for the work of God. He can get so busy with the work of God and fall out of love with God. You can do it with your children. You can do it with your church or whatever more. But whatever you do, don't fall out of love with the Lord God. He's the reason of all of this. Praise God. Many of you don't need the Holy Ghost. You don't need to be born again. You just need a little getaway with the Lord Jesus. And it's the worst day in the world to have a getaway. We're under so much stress and so much trouble and everything in the world wants our time. But I guarantee you there's a way you can learn how to do it. When you and Jesus can have a getaway on Monday, you can have another one on Monday evening. You can have another one on Tuesday. You can have one on Wednesday. Praise God. And believe it or not, you don't even have to be down on your knees. You don't even have to be in a closet by yourself. He strikes me in some of the most odd, peculiar places. I was standing in Home Depot the other day and his presence come to me. And I started crying like a baby. And a man come in the aisle where I was and he was just standing there looking at me like something weird was happening. I went to the doctor, the eye doctor, to check my eyes. The Spirit of God come down while I was sitting in the front. And the Holy Ghost quickened me to something. And the nurse come out there and called me, Mr. Reagan. I went over where she was, wiping my tears. She said, you okay? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm okay. Why? It was a Hephzibah moment. It was a Beulah moment. Hallelujah. You limit him, friends, because you think you gotta be at home in your closet somewhere. Why not let him come to you on the job? Sisters, why not when you're making a cake or making ham and eggs or biscuits and gravy? Oh, Jesus, ain't that what you want in your heart? Ain't that what you want? That's what the prophet says in Christ the Mystery. He said, little children, that's what that hunger is. But you let so many things get in front of you. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, we worship you, Lord. Forgive us for being so busy in this Laodicean age. We got so many things to do, so many places to go, so many things to take care of. 
Forgive us, Jesus. We love you, Lord God. May we begin to think in our minds that we can have more of those Beulah moments and those Hepzibah moments. Praise God. Oh, Jesus, I'm open to you coming to me at Lowe's, at Home Depot, grocery store, wherever, Lord. Praise the Lord. My time is your time. My eyes are yours, my ears, my heart. Lord Jesus, take me, Father. The better part of my life is gone. Here I am a 65-year-old man, be 66 before long. But Lord God, I give you what I've got left. I give you my strength, my mind. I give you what I've got, Lord. If you can do a little something with it, take it, dear God. Take it, Lord. What about you young men standing here tonight? You want to say, God, I give you all of me. What about you young sisters? What about those of you in your 20s, your 30s? You say, well, I'm going to wait till I get to be an old man. Why do you want to wait that long? Why not give him your 20s, your 30s, your teens? Give him everything you are. Oh, praise the Lord. Sing something for us, Harry. Oh, praise God. Praise God. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We praise your name, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Falling in love with Jesus. Best thing I've ever ever done. Ever done. Well, let's sing it now. Falling in love. Why don't you fall in love? One more time. Falling in love. Why don't you go ahead and fall in love?
glad he wouldn't just so merciful to you when you was a sinner and you was lost and wretched and blind and naked. Aren't you glad he's been so merciful to you after you become a Christian and become lazy and slothful and just so caught up with things around you and his mercy still extends. Why? Because he loves you. I got an email from someone this week and they was telling me how they were so disappointed in their life and felt like they'd let the Lord down so much. Wished they could go back and redo and undo and change a lot of things. And as I always do when I get an email or a text, I pray and ask the Lord to help me and give me words to say to that individual. So I waited for a few days until I got something from the Lord. And the inspiration hit me. And as I sat down on my computer on my lap and I just acknowledged the individual and the Lord began to give me these words to speak to the person. And I said, brother, I've often thought in my mind of how difficult it must have been for Adam that day after knowing he had forfeited his Godship. He's fixing to be kicked out of the garden. He feels different, his wife's different. They feel different about God. God's attitude's different toward them. They can see the bushes around them change. They can see animals taking on different traits. They can see the change over everywhere. And yet God goes up on a hill and he takes a lamb and he kills that lamb and he brings that lamb to Adam. It must have been something for Adam to believe somehow that God would let this lamb speak for him. And many of us have regrets in life. I can, you, we all know that. But I want to tell you this right now. There's never been another human being that had to accept the grace of God and the mercy of God on the boundary, the limitless boundary, the way Adam did. I'm not sure how soon it'll be when I get there that I see him. But Brother Kirk, I want to see him real soon after I get there. Because there'll be the man that caused it all the man who sold the whole human race. He caused all my sickness, all my trouble, all the blindness of the world. And he will stand there as a recipient of the grace of God. Amen. He will not walk around in heaven with his head all hanging down and so ashamed. But there'll be him and Eve, both of them, that transgress so greatly against God's word. Why and how will they be there? They accepted God's remedy for their sin. And they walked out with that bloody sheepskin slapping them on the leg. And how will you be there? Because you accepted God's name, Lamb, the Lord Jesus. And he takes all your past, all your regrets, all your failures, glory. And you've got that token slapping against your leg as it was. 
you're redeemed. Cast all of your sins and all your sorrows and all of those things in the blood of the Lord Jesus. And if you can accept it with the right mental attitude, you're as sinless as God himself. Don't think you're gonna stand around in heaven and there's gonna be a section over there for the bad, 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 the previous cigarette smokers, the previous drug addicts. No, there won't none of that ever be in remembrance. We'll all be blood washed and we'll stand the same. Praise God. Don't you love him? He's made a way for us, friends. Brother Darrell, would you come? Pray for the people. Pray for Brother Darrell. Brothers are starting having more meetings out. Brother Darrell will be going out. Some of the other brothers still remember him as they go out. Hopefully, COVID is going to be getting behind us. I think some of you folks that ain't shouted the whole time you've been saved will shout whenever we say, COVID is over. Some of you Baptists will say, glory. And I'll say, now be careful. Don't get beside yourself. I'm believing it, friends. It's done proven the doctors can't do it. I'm not telling you to get a shot or don't get a shot, but it's a proven. Even they can't keep you from it. There's one thing we need. That's the power of God. Science has proved they don't have the answer for this. There's only one answer, and that's our Father. Don't you stop praying. We keep praying. God bless you. I love you in the Lord. To me, what a message to hear in, in January of a new year to, to draw closer to God. Let the feet on the open word and the revealed word of this hour to be changed into the image that he saw of us before the foundation of the world. What a blessed people we are to be able to hear and to understand the things which we hear and not just understand it, but actually be doers of that which the word is calling for in this hour. We're a privileged people. Thank God for our pastor. Thank God for men of God who will stay in the word and give it to us and whoop us when we need to be whooped and make us happy when we need to be made happy. I'm so grateful. Aren't you grateful for the word tonight? It certainly spoke to my heart and just makes you want to find an oak tree somewhere and just spend a little bit of time with him. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Let's just bow our heads this evening. Heavenly Father, Lord, in the depths of my heart tonight, I, I thank you, Lord, for your love for me. As I was thinking, Lord, as the song was being sung, of that evening that you found me down there in Jonesboro, that old building, Lord. You come to me, Lord, but a mess of my life that I'd made. And yet you love me, Lord. God, I'm just so grateful tonight that your word, Lord, could come and speak to the very depths of our souls, Lord, and put a desire in us to come up higher, Lord. And Father, I pray tonight for my brothers and for my sisters, Lord. God, may this word, Lord, May it go deep under the fifth rib, Lord, into the very depths of our hearts, dear God, that it would bring forth much fruit for your service, Lord, we pray. The Father God, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, that, Lord God, by an understanding we can take and perform the word, Lord. Oh, God, that your purpose will be fulfilled in this hour, Lord. 
Oh, there was one man named Jesus, but now there's a bride on the earth called Jesus, Lord, that the word is being made flesh in the body that you have purposed, Lord, before the foundation of the world that you would manifest these things, Lord, in this hour. And God, how we thank you, Lord, that you and your love has made us a part of this, Lord. And Father, I pray tonight, God, as the people go their way, Lord, may you watch over them on the highways, Lord. God, may you take them safely home, Lord, and before we close our eyes tonight, may we thank you for that which we've heard, dear God. May it be applied to our hearts, Lord, we pray. And Father, you see the needs of those that are sick, Lord. Our hearts just go out to them, God. I pray, dear God, that we take this weapon of prayer that you've given us, dear God, and we bring it against our enemy. We say to Satan tonight, Satan, we rebuke you. You're nothing but a bluff. You was defeated at Calvary when my Lord defeated you. And come out of the people, we pray in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. May the sickness leave the people, Lord. May the heavy hearts be lifted off the people, Lord. That there be a shout in the camp because our King reigns dear God and the word will not return unto you void but it will accomplish that what it was sent to do Lord God may the sick those afflicted with COVID Lord may the symptoms leave them God those on ventilators may they come off of them Lord we pray and the heavy hearts God for the loss of loved ones may it be filled with more of the abundance of your love and your mercy and your grace God and Father I ask you Lord as humble as I know how let a revival break out in this church dear God from the front pew to the last you. Oh God, once more Lord, let it rain down upon us dear God. A revival dear Lord, that'll bring the reality of your word Lord to the hearts of the people. Grant it tonight we pray Father God for we ask these things in Jesus name because we believe you Lord. We believe the report of the Lord. How we thank you Father God tonight in Jesus name. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints. Do you love him? Let's go in the fear of the Lord this evening. This Brother Harry sings us something. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Oh, there is no God like our God, friends. Nobody can do what my Lord can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know who started COVID, but I know who can stop it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you richly. Go in the fear of the Lord. Have you enjoyed the word of God? Amen. Thank you, Brother John. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know why you love the Lord so much? Because he first loved us. Amen. Nobody loves me. Like you love me, Jesus. I stand in all of your amazing ways. I worship you as long as I am breathing. God, you are faithful and true. Nobody loves me like you.
It's like a picture that you've painted for me. A love letter in the sky. Story, I could have had a really different story. But you came down from heaven to restore me.
stand. 